This podcast is being brought to you by Matt Mail Advertising. Founded by a father and son team, Lindsey McAdory Jr. and Sr., Matt Mail has helped small businesses, political candidates, and nonprofits reach their target audience for over 10 years. Visit mattmailadvertising.com to learn more. Why can't you explain puns to kleptomaniacs? Why? They always take things literally. Get it? <laughs> well, well, Avia took my joke, so I don't have any more. <laughs> Whatever. Come on, Patrick. Tell me a joke. Well, you know I told you I'm I'm going to um, plagiarize old Rodney Dangerfield. Yeah. And um, I, I thought about Red Fox and uh, Richard Pryor, but um, I was so ugly. My dad carried around pictures of the kid that came with the wallet. <laughs> I was so ugly my mother got more in sickness after I was born <laughs> I could go on you like the self-deprecating jokes huh absolutely <laughs> Patrick A. Denny, what does the A stand for? Adair. Adair. Patrick Adair Denny is the president and CEO of EDS, America Development LLC. Patrick founded EDS as a vehicle to help solve what he saw as gaps in economic development in urban, suburban, and rural communities. Patrick creates a collaborative effort to maximize these opportunities for future development in these areas. Whether it be to develop, advise, or represent, EDS America is a vital leader in the forefront of economic development throughout America. Time out. How did you come up with this plan? This devious. The name or the plan? The plan, both. <laughs> well, both, the, both. The plan, I've been going down the road pretty much my whole professional career. Yeah. So, um, but truly in, in Birmingham, I've done a number of projects. Some have worked, some never saw the light of day. Mm. But the pursuit of trying to bring good quality um, concepts to Birmingham. Like I said before we started this, a lot of things I got out front on, I was too early on. Mm -hmm. And other people came along later and, and did them. Right. But I always, it always felt good that I was on the right path and kind of led the way a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I've done, I've done a lot of projects from we, uh, former mayor, the late mayor, Larry Langford, the last project that he really did um, before he was um, not in office any longer was we did go wire where we did 30 houses over by Lebanon's village for the intent was all first time home buyers. And I'm proud to say they all were first time home buyers. Mm -hmm. So that was a pilot program of city of Birmingham. And that was 2008, nine, 10 frame. Yeah. Really wasn't a lot of that. Um, and I went back over there the other day, uh, Cardell Davis, friend of ours. Mm-hmm. And those houses are going just under 200000 now, and we were 
sell them back then for a hundred, hundred twenty-five, hundred fifteen thousand. Yeah. Patrick's background in commercial real estate includes disciplines focused in office, retail, industrial, and medical, with an emphasis on municipal, state, and federal government consulting for many of his clients. Primarily, his services include development, build-to-suits, master plan developments, site selection, business incentives, land and building acquisitions, and dispositions as well as negotiating leases with these disciplines. Now, when younger people or those who want to aspire to get into economic development and developing real estate, what what were the things you had to develop along the way to get to a point where you're saying, hey, you know, we need incentives to do what we're doing over here. And what are incentives? Because I'm, I'm trying to get a little quick master class out of you for people right. who might be bumping their heads. Well, I mean, really it goes back. My father died when I was five, but my mother never remarried. And I was born in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was bust downtown um, in fifth and tenth grade. And we didn't grow up with race in our mind. Our, our, my friends were, I mean, we, most of the guys, I know you hear this a lot, but the truth was a lot of my best friends were black guys, and we played basketball. We did everything together. I learned, hold your thought, um, I heard something very interesting, and I think it's so true. White northerners, love black culture but they can't tell you they've met a black person in the south black i mean white people can tell you well i don't like that culture but they usually have one of their best friends is a, a different race or whatever the case may be so i just think it's so interesting that you know we talk about race in the south but you know we all a family. We are. And yeah. I, I really grew outside of the bubble because yeah. um, when we got in fights, it was black and white guys fighting black and white guys. Nobody <laughs> was – we were fighting over girls, money, food, just because we didn't like each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, I blocked a shot and it went down his throat and, you know, I embarrassed him. <laughs> I could play and I still can a little yeah, bit. Yeah, he's a good basketball player. But, you, you know, and it was all about survival. And I know it, it sounds – but when you're – when you know, we have a lot of fatherless um, children um, all over the world. And um, – it's a lot easier when you have a father, you know. It seems like the household's more stable when you do. But and you know, most of mine was just trial and error. Um, so I, when I graduated from college at the University of Alabama, I went straight to D.C. and started trying to work on Bill Clinton's campaign. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went up to New Hampshire in the primary back when Jennifer Flowers broke. And uh, if he hadn't finished third in that race, he never would have been president of the United States. That kept him viable to get to South Carolina where he could get some momentum. Mm. But that was a pretty heavy time. And, it was. Um, um, and he was a great president. I mean, just, you know, we all got our, our sins, don't we? Amen. But um, so really, you know, it was all about, I was, grew up in these communities and you know, I've seen what you, you know, how 
there was so much that we could do. Mm-hmm. And I've only done a little bit of it. I mean, there's so much more we can do. And even in rural Alabama, rural America, yeah, it's, you've been it's, it's tough. And I've, I've done, I got projects going on there. And yeah. um, like Phoenix City and 31 South. Mm-hmm. And uh, we brought a grocery store. We did a build a suit for Renfro's there and brought in shops. And nothing had been done on that side of town. And I mean, the mayor, Eddie Lowe, lives right around the corner. So that was a big, you know, and, and oddly enough, it's not a food desert. It is technically, I mean, it is, but not by how it would, not on a map. Right. So, um, and oftentimes, a lot of places that really need the most are not, don't fit into that new market tax credit map and mm-hmm. so forth. Mm-hmm. But they're good people everywhere, and um, you know, there's, we'll never not, we'll never do enough. For, yeah, you know, we just all want to make it better for all of us. Yeah. Um, but my question is like, okay, you have moved from just building into tax credits. And you know rebates and things like that. How does that? So to answer your, your question, so like in Phoenix City, for instance, mm-hmm. I've I've done just about. There's probably not a uh, developer or broker in the state has done the different type of deals that I've I've done. Mm-hmm. One, I'm pretty old, <laughs> but but in Phoenix yeah, City, old as shit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, we did a we got the city to do a 25 year master lease there, and they sub. Um, tenant was Renfro's because we couldn't finance the deal with Renfro's credit and they needed to be in the highest single digits in, in rent. Um, but the city would keep the sales tax mm-hmm. if they did that, but they have excellent credit. So that helped. We did a, what they call credit tenant lease, which is really a bond deal you sell on the market. And it's just an absolute net deal. So when we sold it, it wasn't the same thing as the traditional sale it would, they bought the cash flow. So the, one of the wealthiest women in the country is out of Chicago. They bought it, and they planned to hold it like an annuity for 25 years. One, you've got a great tenant in, in the city. You've got a great subtenant in Renfro's family out of Montgomery. And then you've got an owner that is holding it long term, and they're well capitalized. So that's one of the most stable assets you'll get in a grocery store. Mm-hmm. But So that, that, that center, other things are going on around that we were able to get Circle K and um, Wendy's is going to close next month and some other things. To give you an example, on another project, we've, we've, got, we've done up to you know $2.5 million for sales tax rebate. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times when you need to hit a certain rent to, to, for your performer, mm-hmm. you got a gap. Mm-hmm. And so the sales tax rebate will help close it to the extent that you can pass it through to the tenants in order to hit the rents that you want. And it can, you know, generate. They get a check every end of the end of the calendar year in Alabama. It's September thirtieth to, you know, October one. But um, now, why does this not work in urban areas? In you know, re- when we're talking about redeveloping neighborhoods and communities and whatnot, tell tell me why this can't be done there. It it can, and it's just different. It'd be a different subsidy, so to speak. Okay. So that's where new market tax credits come in. They help lower the risk. They're, you know, their fees. There are a lot of fees generated with it that lawyers and other consultants get paid on it. But in the long run, it's part of a capital stack. So there'll be other incentives, and it's new money. You, you know, you, if you can do new money, then that the project is generating, it can help underwrite 
the deal. And these banks know how to do it better now than they did, you know, 10, 15 years ago. We've done a lot more of these. But um, you don't want to be – when we approach a city, but like, for instance, you may need infrastructure monies instead of the rebate. Mm-hmm. So it's all part of a performer. And the city, you know, they're pretty – they're all really good about determining whether it fits them or not. The question, well, I, the question I'm asking and the reason I'm asking is because, you know, I'm trying to distinguish the difference between why are these things working elsewhere, but we can't seem to bring them in Birmingham. We, Infield housing and, and, and right, the, the, settling those problems. Well, the, the housing is a little different because mm-hmm. um, it's, it, it, it's not a commercial asset, so it, it is a little different how the mortgages work. And, mm-hmm. and um, it's funny you should, you should actually bring that subject up because they're, I'm working on an alliance. Well, I'm not. I've already engaged it. But I've negotiated over a year to join forces with Keller Williams. And the reason why I did it is the states going forward, what we're hearing from corporations in order to to come to a community, they need affordable housing for their employees. And there's like Toyota Mazda, they had a hard time finding 3,000, they had 3,000 open positions. Well, a lot of that is just because there's, there's no housing for that's affordable for people to commute and, and live and relocate. So I'm actually, and I've been talking to the Burien Business Journal, they're going to roll the story out um, into this year, I mean, probably first of next year at this point, talking about this, and I want to set up a task force so we can, create a pilot program when we bring a site that we're out recruiting a company we need to have a um, housing component to it you know everybody talks about affordable housing but it always turns out to be market rate mm-hmm. it's too expensive for everyone right and so it has to be subsidized that means it has to state's going to have to participate in the local municipality generally because you got to get that that price down mm-hmm. and the companies involved with it I don't know what what it's going to look like at the end of the day but we got to start somewhere because that's the problem you hear all over this country. You've said you've said that that housing is a is an issue all over the country. Now, Patrick's past experiences include serving on U.S. Senator Richard Shelby, United States Senator Richard Shelby's Senate staff, and was deputy finance director on his U.S. Senate reelection campaign from 95 to 98, as well as executive director of the ALGOP Victory 1998 Committee. In 1992, Patrick served on the Presidential Inaugural Committee for Bill Clinton and supported the Correspondence Department on the Presidential Transition Team. One of the most interesting things about you to me when we met and how we got to be close is because your name is on both sides of the aisle your 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 thoughts are always for the people and and you always support the person and not the party tell me how that all how you're able to navigate that Effectively, and, and the reason why I have it the way it is on there because I want people to see balance and understand that I look at things through a lens that is as pure as it can be 
being a human being. Yeah. And um, and I really have to take things as 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 what they are, not what we all want them to be. We, you know, of course, we want to do good, but <coughs> I've never been a follower. I'm not. You know, you haven't either. Um, that's one of the great qualities I love about you. We can often see things completely different, but I mean, we're always going to be friends. Yeah, and that's what's been lost on this whole generation, um, both sides. Is that there is we're not they're not having that discussion. You can't have it. They, everyone's too sensitive. They can't deal with it. I think the difference and, between you and I um, is exemplified in our generation in that. We see a, an issue and try to figure out where we're close on it, mm -hmm. how we can come together on it, versus now the, the political climate now is, all right, here's where we're different. And, you know, that's the thing. We're so different. We're so different. Instead of trying to figure out how we can come together, how, you know, how, how do you do that? I, I truly try to look at every issue from both. From I sit in your shoes and try to see <coughs> what you see, and I can understand that. And then I, I look at it. So my opinion, I can't be convinced to change my. I mean, you know, I, I mean, you have to. Yeah. You you, you just have to, and because when you're educated and you learn things you didn't know before, then you're like, well, I understand now. I was wrong. I didn't mm -hmm. know enough, and I formed an opinion before I. We all do that. We all do that, yeah. I try not to gossip for that reason. So um, we need to, you know, continue. We got to bring that back. Yeah. Um, you, you do you have see to. that coming back? Do you see any evidence of that returning? I had I had lunch with um, somebody that asked me to have lunch with a group. Mm -hmm. um, and um, they represented their position on the extreme right I, and I rarely ever find myself in that position I'm usually <laughs> right. with somebody from the left and, um, as, as odd as it may sound but I, you know I realized I said some things like um, you know we really need to continue the Republican Party's strength is diversity they need to continue recruiting and have more of a diverse party from all all ethnicities and, and you know just all walks of life and not so focused on one deal. That's how they, that's how it can grow. And it didn't seem to be any, any interest in that. <laughs> um, but it, I don't know if it, it was really along the race line as yeah. much as it was along. Well, that's, you know, I, we need to keep things divided because that's what's driving my um, entity. Yeah. Cause that's what, that's where I make my money is keeping everybody divided. Yeah. And and that seems to be both sides what they're doing. Yeah. Um, it's their agenda, and they want to hold to it. It's it's. I mean, there are a lot of good people out there that are trying to to do good. Yeah. And we just we we need their voices heard more. Um, <clears throat> Honestly speaking, had you ever given any thought to actually running yourself? Oh, uh, yeah, I've given it a thought many times until, and, and, until, I, until I realized, you know, do I really want no, you know. <laughs> Well, but. the funny thing is that I, I just asked this to Lewis as well. 
back in the day, right, you know, when you and I fundraising and, you know, doing all the political stuff, you know, we used to always say when asked, you know, why don't you run for office? Oh, no, I never thought of that. <laughs> and the truth of the matter is, I think all of us had some inkling of it in the back of our mind. And a few of us acted on that insanity and some didn't. What kept you? Was it the closet, you, you the proverbial closet? Or did you or did you feel that you, you know, might not be able to get anything done? In that well, climate, well, or, or well, what? well, that I do realize now. I mean, I realized several years ago that I could do much more and what I'm doing now than I ever could. One, I can make decisions. I can walk away from things. Mm-hmm. I don't have to do them. I don't have to be nice about it. You <laughs> right. Know? And don't have to. You, you just can't do that as a political official. I could have gone to D.C. and been, a, you know, one of the greatest lobbyists of all time. Yeah. Problem with that is, um, I, I have to believe in what I'm peddling. Yeah. And if you're going to be a great lobbyist, you just have to take a check and go lobby. Yeah. Regardless of the cost, for most of you know, you get to a certain level, you can choose what you want to do. But when you're young, you you can't. You just yeah. got to do whatever you can get. And that just didn't appeal to me. And um, and commercial real estate is hard. I mean, there's a, there's a reason why a, a lot of rich people's kids go into it because you don't make a lot of money fast. It takes years. It's a long play. And, and I didn't have any money. I built it from scratch. So I always say that um, if you want to come in here, you have to be prepared to live under an overpass because you're going to make a lot of sacrifices. And, um, and, and it's because it just takes forever. I mean, I have deals I've worked on for seven, eight years before they ever close. Yeah. And it, you know, I'm, I'm not. I don't have that time anymore, so I'm trying to keep them with it too. <laughs> right. But you know, and uh, but they, but that's the truth. A lot of things that we talk about, you know, take years. Like we can look at things now. I I, I like to use the adage. Um, you know, in your twenties, you think you know everything. During your thirties, you you actually able to look back and say, I made it through something. Right. At forty. Yeah, you got a little wisdom under your belt, but at fifty, you you see the patterns. You 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 know the cycles. You can predict what's about to happen next. And you, just you like you said, it, yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. and like you said, there are some things now that my forty year old wisdom. I'm, I'll just give you the the example. Somebody asked me about opening a nightclub. All right, and at twenty, I thought it was a great idea. At 30, I thought I had, you know, figured out something. At 40, I realized not to be in the bar business, but in the distribution business. And then at 50, I learned don't get into that business at all. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? I I, I think I was at every stage that you just pointed out also. And um. Um, you know, it's tough business now. Yeah, and yeah. You got to work it every day. Um, but you know, anything worth it, you do. And um, you probably would have been really good at it, Ivor. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I think Charles Barkley's got it down. I think he did it right. <laughs> yeah, right. At Alabama Power, there's nothing more important to us than our customers and the communities we serve. Alabama Power is more than your reliable source of electricity. We're committed to building the future of energy 
and providing innovative solutions to our customers. Alabama Power offers energy efficiency tips to help lower your bills, and the company supports agencies that offer bill assistance. Alabama Power initiates and supports efforts to grow the economy and elevate the state of Alabama. And yes, we are also your reliable source of electricity. Alabama Power is for a better Birmingham and a better Alabama. Tell me how you met Shannon. I, I met her through a mutual friend, Michael Davis, actually. He's Michael J. Davis, boss? Yes, sir. Uh-huh. One of the top lobbyists, speaking of. Yeah, I got to um, get him on here. And um, she actually worked with him at Sessions' office. So okay. I, that's where I met her um, after my first divorce. And um, I, I don't have the second one coming yet. It could, it could, <laughs> the papers could be in route, but I don't know. But we, we did. And um, How did you propose? How did I propose? Yeah. I, I, was it was it corny? My proposal, yeah, it was way corny. <laughs> she should have left me on the spot. <laughs> we were in New York, and I went down to the Diamond District with no money. And um, and and um, Senator Shelby had uh, had recommended this lady. Uh, she was married to the former founder. Of, I mean, the former publisher at the uh, editor at the Tuscaloosa News, okay. Boone. And they had been married for 25 years. And so they'd gotten a divorce, and she was um, she had a little booth in the diamond dish. She was selling, I think, antique jewelry or whatever you, you wanted. Uh-huh. And um, she, I went in there and introduced myself, and she, I told her I wanted something, you know, antique, and uh, which is, you know, you can get in a lot of trouble when you go down that route, by the way. you gotta, you got to do it right if you're going to so? do it. Because women don't really want antique to be uh, gotcha, gotcha. in retrospect. Yeah. But I got lucky here. So out of all the things she had on there, I, I picked one, and that happened to be her um, her wedding ring, and she was ready to sell it. Oh, so, wow. And they had bought it uh, out of the uh, legendary, uh, well-known uh, jewelry store in New Orleans. And I, I can't think of it off the bat, but it, that store's probably been open since 1700. Oh, wow. And it was made in 1860, um, somewhere, I think, in Philadelphia. Now, it was 23 carats. <laughs> now, it's raw cut, so, you know. And it was big. Yeah. And I worked out a payment plan with her. <laughs> so I took a picture of it, and that night we went. Do you remember the show uh, Rocco had called Restaurant on NBC? This was years ago, and his mama made her meatballs. Yeah. It didn't It didn't last very long, but that's a good example of why you don't want to be in the restaurant business. Yeah. Because he had an investor, and, you know, they didn't get along. But uh, we went in there, right? I think it had a week left before it was closed, and mama brought out her meatballs. And I, I showed the picture to Shannon, and I said, hey, look, <laughs> <laughs> will you marry me? I, I promise I'm going to get it to you. <laughs> so it, it started out, you know, talking about corny. <laughs> but I couldn't wait, you know. Yeah. But, um, you know, that was way above my, literally above my pay grade. Above your pay grade. But I did end up paying it off, and she sent it to me. So um, when I got it, I was actually at a Boston Bingham Christmas party this time of the year. Are you serious? Yeah, and so I couldn't wait. I said, Mike, I got to go. I got to take this ring home because she 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 won't believe it I, i'm actually gonna <laughs> give it to her so we i, I went home and we, you know where she lived and um and uh presented it to her the fireplace she still talks about it but um 
Then she, you know, cried. Hell, I cried. I was like, I can't believe I got <laughs> But that's how we did it. You are so and, uh, debonair. But I always tell men, boys, um, young men, I say, son, I want to tell you something. You, you could go to Gulf Shores for your honeymoon, but as long as you got your wife and spent a lot of money and thought through the ring, mm-hmm. don't let your wife walk around with with the small ring, because she remember this, you're gonna make a lot of mistakes, a lot of mistakes, and she's gonna look at that ring right. every day. It better be a damn good ring. Better be a damn good ring, especially with you. Especially with me. You know it well. Let's go down some questions. I've changed these up since last season, so you've been. If you've been listening to my other podcasts, these are completely different. All right? All right. What is your favorite color? Black. (laughs) Black and blue. Black and blue. Mm -hmm. What is your favorite artist or genre of music? Um, I I like, I have to say it this way, okay? I, I love blues, jazz, hard rock, and heavy metal. They all are the same. And if you listen to the great, I mean, Zeppelin, Ozzy, all those guys, they'll tell you it, it when the sound coming from Fame Records in North Alabama and all the blues singers that were co- coming to hitting them in, in England and the British wave over there is different. Yeah. The blues wave was over there. It hadn't caught on in this country at the time. That was who they, that's who all, they, they designed all their music after was, you know, Robert Johnson, Muddy Waters, Johnny Lee Hooker. Right. Um, Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. Um, May Rainey. She's from Phoenix City, I believe. Yeah. Um, but um, the blues is the greatest contribution this country's ever made to this world. And it came about for the worst reasons. Yeah. But it is a sign when a flower comes up through the desert, It that is the flower that, that came out of that. And, and the music's just incredible. Very well said. Your favorite restaurant? You can't use the same place you just took me to. Pick somewhere else. No. Uh, <laughs> well, right now in Birmingham, it's Helen. That's my favorite Helen. restaurant. Okay. Okay. No, we're all hoping Highland Bar and Grill comes back. Yeah. Now, your favorite holiday? First Saturday in May, Kentucky Derby. Um, favorite holiday. Is that it? Well, I mean, I. I I, I love horse racing. I, I love that. But it. Um, have you been to the Kentucky Derby? I have because I'm from, you know. Louisville, oh, duh. But, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I, I love horse racing. But um, I just love, you know, horses. You so have I, got to take me to the Kentucky Derby. I've never been, and that would be a heck of an experience. Let's do it. Do you cook? I do. I cook for 16 years. And then. What's your favorite thing to cook? But now my, my Shannon cooks because. We, she wanted to go organic, and so she started coming up with all these recipes, and I gladly got out of the way. <laughs> but what's your favorite thing to cook? Well, I mean, I, what my family likes, I, I do, uh, I'm good with, like you would think. Uh, I like to broil steaks. Okay. And I do these hamburgers. It's a Rachel Ray recipe, but I take, um, you know, when you make your patty, however you want to make it, and uh-huh. then I put it on top of a sliced onion. And then you grill it in the juices, and of course you, you, it's marinated. But then you, you you slide it off with the onions, and then let it 
soak it all, all the good love up. <laughs> and those hamburgers are damn good, I have to say. And I make homemade French fries too. You got to flash fry them. You know, got to cook them twice to be good. Well, you know what I'm coming over for. What's your favorite movie? That's an interesting question. Hmm. Jeez. I love the, the field of dreams um, hit me pretty pretty hard because I lost my father when I was five. I love that movie. Um, I'd answer this differently if I had time to think about it, I know, but... Um, it's all good. We'll roll with Field of yeah. Dreams. I like um, that. What's your favorite season? Uh, fall. Fall. Which probably a lot of people in Alabama say that. Yeah, yeah. I tell you what is not. It's, it, it, as the older I get, winter is definitely not fun anymore. It's not. It is not. What's your favorite cartoon? Does it have to be a cartoon? No. Um, I love the old Abbott and Costello. I watch. I still watch all those shows. Okay. And, and the monsters. But um, guess who mine is? It's, it's gonna. You'll never guess, but it's the Bill. You know, I'm just a Bill. Yes, I'm only. A I remember bill. every yeah. Saturday morning. That that's how long I've been interested in politics, house. Yeah. Yeah, that was uh, that 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 probably did more to help kids form an opinion on what they might want to do than anything. I agree. Schoolhouse Rock really needs to come back. Who's your favorite NBA team? Hawks. The Hawks. We How long up. you been a Hawks fan? Um, for God, Dominique's my favorite player. Twenty one. Yeah. Um, you know, you go back to round um, Tree Rollins, Dan Round uh, Field. <laughs> Um, Mike Glenn, Rory Sparrow. Yeah. I mean, those great battles between Dominique and Larry Bird in the playoffs yeah. were great. Now, we just went over there to spend Thanksgiving and went to the uh, Hawks-Kings game. Oh, you did? And the Hawks won. It was good. Okay. And, and somebody came out of the stands and hit a half-court shot and won $10,000. So it was, it was crazy. Oh, that's awesome. But, um, yeah, the Hawks are my, my team. All right. Who's your favorite NFL team? I've been playing fantasy football for 27, 28 years. Get out. So whoever is on my team are my favorite teams. <laughs> Next season. But, Hulk, I mean, Falcons you gotta is let me in. I want to get in you guys' group. Absolutely. I'm serious. You can, you I can have play. not played. When I was selling cars, we had a, a pool, and that was so much fun. I came in like second. That's the only time I've had a chance to play. That's um, fun. Yeah, that's fun. But Falcons, and, you know, I like the Saints. Yeah. But the Saints is more in the, you know, last 15, 20 years. Okay. What is your favorite scripture, Bible figure, Bible story, parable, word? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that lunch I had, I you know, I, I – uh, people like to cherry pick Mark. Um, yeah. 
the, the Bible and Jesus is pretty clear that love is the number one tenet of the Bible. That's what it's all about. Right. And that we all get caught up in our differences. And they, I, I hate it when people use the Bible to, you know, to peddle the Bible as I peddle in Jesus. Right. Um, to, to, you know, support their cause. Right. I mean, um, but, you know, the, you know, the Good Samaritan, of course. Mm. I mean, Lazarus. This is 23rd Psalm for me. It's always been my favorite Bible scripture. Like, I memorized it as a child and, and say, never Lie down in, in green pastures, is that John 316? I'm trying no, to think. That's 23rd that's Psalm. That's why. Yeah. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Um, your dream car. I, I don't think like that. It's not important to me. I really just want, I, I like a nice car. It's comfortable because I like to wash it every Friday, Saturday morning. <laughs> um, I just don't think like that. I'm not that materialistic. Um, I focus more on a good meal, going on a trip. And, you know, a lot of people can't spend money on those things. They think it's a waste. I think it's the exact opposite. The exact opposite, yeah. But you'd yeah. rather pay for experiences. Right. Yeah. And I don't even know who what I would say, to be honest. I mean, I really don't. What what is yours? Um It's not a car actually. It's a pickup truck. <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> the Fred the Fred Sanford pickup That's right. That that body style. You, like you, that's, you, you I would Lamont, love to have that truck. I got a shirt that uh, I told this banker um we went I took him to a Cowboys game uh -huh. uh, a couple months ago. He's a big Cowboys guy. And I told him I love I used to have a shirt that said you big dummy on it. it had Fred <laughs> Red Foxes, you know. Yeah. Silhouette on it. Uh -huh. So for Christmas, he went and bought me one. Oh, wow. It wasn't quite like that, but it's, it's, it, I love to disarm people because it, it tells people that you can be engaged. You yeah. got a sense of humor. Everybody can relax. You know, we're all cutting up. Yeah. So I love to wear crazy sh when I'm playing tennis, exercise, and that sort of thing. But. Yeah. iPhone or Android? iPhone. If you, if you could have a superpower, what would it be? What would it be? Yeah. Hmm. Man, I, I tell you, it would be just to chill everybody out. <laughs> I'm serious. Yeah, I wish you had the power to like chill. Yeah, because <laughs> you know the best times in life are when you're you're just having a good time. You work hard and you go have a good time with your friends or your, your lady or what have you, and um, you know, and just cutting up like this. This is that's what it feels like to me talking to you it's good yeah we we bottle things up so much that we don't ever sometimes realize that um you know it's good therapy but everybody just needs chill <laughs> i'm so tired of it you know everybody's yeah. so wound up man yeah it's it's a it's a rough time and, and if everybody else would just act right then we would then we could chill but we got to keep everybody honest yeah i mean including ourselves including ourselves <laughs> What's your favorite charity? I, I, I don't have one. Okay. Because I, I like to, where, wherever I am, I, I will help anybody that asks for it for the most part. Mm -hmm. 
And I just, I, I told somebody, I'm just being nice to somebody today at the store. Okay. Now I just, I did good with the butterfly effect. So <laughs> right. that's, that's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's not PETA. It's not March of Dimes. Yeah. You know, a lot of those organizations, I'm not, I'm not picking on PETA here, but I, I pick, I'm going to pick on March of Dimes a little bit. They get so bloated and so big mm-hmm. that all the money you're raising, 90% of it's going for administration. Doesn't even get to the NICU unit. I knew that's where you were going. I, it's the truth. The, the I think the biggest culprit is um, Salvation Army. Yeah, there's another example. Like they, it's something like 70% of donations go to overhead, something like that. It was, so, it was a ridiculous it's number. Ridiculous. I'm, yeah. And so when I say you really you look for families and individuals to try and help directly, mm. I mean, that's where the greatest impact is. You know, uh, Don Lupo is a good example of this. Every oh, every time it gets yeah. cold as shit, you, it, my Sunday school class gets a uh, Don Lupo, you know, please bring, you know, supplies you know, I gotta and water. You got to get Don on, on here. You should. He's, he's, he's got a lot of great stories. To tell he you. does. And he's a great person. Yeah. That's another thing. Tell me someone that I should get on the podcast. Have you had Carolyn McKinstry on here yet? No. That's who you I need was. to get on I here. most certainly will. I most certainly will. One, she's a brilliant woman, but the yeah. hell that she went through to get there. And she still tells the story. She carried that that um, that horror all her life and make sure no one forgets it. Yeah. Right here. Right here. If you could, um, if you could change one thing, if you had the power to just change one thing, what would it be? Hmm. I, I'd, I'd make sure you had a billion dollars in your account. And we could have a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I it does not go over my head that you said put the billion in my account. That's right. <laughs> I want you to have the paper trail. I just want to come off and ride. That's a good one. Um, give some shout outs. Um, shout out to my my wife and Shannon and my gorgeous daughter and smart as she can be and got a great heart. And, uh, Sarah, How's her Sarah basketball Madeline. coming? It's coming along well. I mean, she's you know fifth grade over the mountain deal. She practices with Jay Smith on, you know Jada, and I don't know if you know Jason Smith. He'd be a good one. His family and all the contributions they do to the community. They they have Jay Smith hoops, and everybody in town, all over town, yeah. go and 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 take one on one and and camps with them constantly. Yeah. They're working all the time, but. Um, He'd be a great I gotta one. Put that on it's the whole family. Mm-hmm. Um, two sisters uh, and then uh, two two sons and and, um, and and Jason. But um, and now before I let you go, I got you on the microphone. I mm-hmm. got you on video. We're gonna find George. Okay, I know. Well, George, if you're out there. <laughs> Call Iva. <laughs> now, your listeners, to, to you know, it's George Wallace Jr. That's right. Tell the story. And um, that's an example of 
how I wanted to believe in somebody, <laughs> and that's going to take a lot of hell for it. But I felt like, you know, I, I believed that it, we needed to try and do some good, and I thought his heart was in the right place, and, and I still do. Absolutely. Um, and you brought me along. But when you're associated with that name, it, yeah. you know, it's, um, you know, there's a lot of hell. I mean, you know, people form their opinion, and rightly so, immediately. And um, I didn't even really understand what I, what I was getting into, to be honest with you. But um, I just like the idea. You know, again, I'm not a follower. Yeah, I like to take risks and chances. And you know, I met you. I, who introduced us, by the way? Hmm. I I was thinking about that in preparing. And remember, George and I want to say was a Democrat, and I'd come off the Clinton campaign. That's how I ended up. What was with, um. Wasn't it the president of um, Service First Bank? He, he, it was, I think it was, he was having a fundraiser. Oh, no, it was at, um, I guess at um, George's uh, um, sister's house. No, that's where you invited me to. Okay. Now, I got to tell y'all about this. This is what's crazy. Do you know where Shoal Creek is? The, the golf and how it's on this side. The whole other side is George's sister's property. That was like the, that was the, I had never seen anything. Like, I don't know if I ever told you, but that one blew me away. Oh, it blew me. I mean, you know. I yeah. Just, I don't have that kind of <laughs> jack. But, you know, her husband, um, you know, made it through his business venture. And, mm -hmm. um you, um, but um, it's good we met and we stayed friends. We sure have. I love you, brother. I love you. I appreciate you letting me uh, uh, come down here and talk. My yeah, wife, she said, uh, don't talk too much. I said, well, that kind of defeats the whole purpose. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go back and tell her you, you, you did well. You did not say too much at all. You did not embarrass the family. Well, uh, well. <laughs> Not this time. I, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm just being honest. It's for me, it's where. Um, but uh, we all got more. Uh, we, we don't have as many chapters left to write, but we still have to. We got to close it out with the, with a bang, right? Doggone so, right. Doesn't, doesn't the movie end in the, in the. Uh, you the know, movie. We, we gotta, the gotta, movie always ends happily ever after. So we got some happily oh, ever yeah. after. Well, even so, even if it doesn't, there's a lot of good in in that. Too. Yeah, we even if it doesn't, we had a ball getting there, buddy. That's right. <laughs> Part of the journey. Thank you, thank, thank you. you so much. Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas. I want to thank my friend Patrick Denny for joining us. I want to thank you all for listening, and as always, a huge shout out to Creed sixty three, our three sixty news, and UrbanHam.com. God bless. This podcast has been brought to you by Jefferson County Sheriff's Office.